0: (laughs) Oh.
1: fans, And welcome to the latest episode of the Meltzer 5 Star Project, a series within the Let Me Tell You Something podcasting universe, in which your two co-hosts, myself, Lorcan Mullin, and your other co-host,
0: Simon Cross,
1: discuss a match that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated 5 stars or higher. There's been quite a wait between the last one and this one, Simon. He's calmed down, hasn't he? Yeah, and because of our decision to put the Scott Hall tribute episode up, we're actually a week behind the usual schedule of us doing the recording after Meltzer's revealed his five-star rating. So we're actually a couple of weeks behind compared to where we usually are, meaning that this is the first half of a double bill that we're aware of. So, Simon, what match is it that we're covering today?
0: We are in a New Japan Cup quarter-final, and it's an all-English affair between Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay.
1: A repeat of another New Japan Cup match, that one taking place in the second round last year, in which these two had tangled. It had resulted in a Will Ospreay victory on the path to winning the tournament outright, and then defeating Coach Ribushi... For the recently renamed IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. Now, will this be the start of a similar storyline? We'll have to wait and see. But that match that happened last year, I remember really loving a lot. I didn't quite go five stars for it. I said I would probably waver somewhere around four and a half and four and three quarters. And I think you were the same. I don't think you gave it five stars. No. But it seems to have been not forgotten, but not... I didn't hear it in a lot of people's best match of the year discussions. It didn't make either our top three for the year, I don't think. But I did re-watch it in advance of this episode. And I also re-listened to our recording to make sure that we didn't repeat ourselves. Too much. One observation I did make at the time was wondering whether it was the first match involving the participants in the match having it in more than one promotion. Because I think for the last, now the last three Ospreys Zack Sabre Jr. matches that they've had in singles competition, they've all been five star. Ratings for Meltzer, I believe. There's the Rev Pro match where Osprey defeated Zack Sabre Jr. for the Rev Pro Championship, which he holds to this day. That reign is still ongoing. And the previous five star match that we discussed was him defending it against Michael Oku. And then there was the New Japan Cup match last year, and now the New Japan Cup this year. I thought back to it, and it's not the only one. I think I might have said this in a follow up episode because I did read into it. There is at least one other match that got a five-star rating over two different promotions. That one being Masao Kabashi.
0: Oh, of course, Noah and All Japan.
1: But it's funny watching these three. The dynamics of the relationship and the status between the two have turned on their heads, essentially, in the time in between. Zack Sabre was the all-conquering ace of British wrestling, and rev pro when he lost the title to osprey and that was seen as one of the final hurdles he had to overcome to strike out beyond his junior heavyweight status and then of course the heel turn happened i think later that well i can't remember now if that was in 2020 or 20 it must have been either late 2019 or early 2020 the osprey saber match in rev pro i think it was 2020 because they were talking about I think two 2020 years. yeah so 2020 before lockdown but then at the G1 in in 2020 he of course turned heel on Okada and began forming the united empire who came out with him for this match to give him help and literal advice at one point when asked <laughs> yeah and then since then he's won the new japan cup tournament as we were saying went on to defeat Coach Ibushi and win the World Heavyweight title and then vacated officially due to his injury, but in his eyes unofficially as he walks around with his version of the belt. Yeah. Until he lost to Okada at Wrestle Kingdom at the start of this year in another match that we discussed for the five-star rating. So it's obvious if you just look at it on the five-star ratings front, you would say that Will Ospreay, is he the, at the moment, like your first ballot pick in the eyes of o- Meltzer for the... Wrestler of the Year, maybe, but given that this is the first of at least two Zack Sabre Jr. matches that we're going to be discussing in this series, and that he himself has followed the footsteps of Will Ospreay after winning this match to go on to win the semi-final, that will be next week's episode, then the final, which could have been the week after that's an episode, if Mel's been a bit more generous. And by the time this episode's gone out, he will have just had the New Japan Cup winners uh, title match, guaranteed title match. He chose to go for the world heavyweight title. This will be his third challenge at that title. He challenged Okada for it once before during Okada's mega reign as champion. And then he challenges Shingo Takagi for it. Oh, okay. In between beating him in the G1 Climax and Takagi defending it at Wrestle Kingdom. So that'll be his third title shot coming up. But I wonder if this will be his most significant one because this does feel like it might be the start of a significant push for Zack Sabre Jr., which I thought he might have lost out on. It seemed like his time to have broken out of the pack in New Japan was around the 2018-2019 time. I remember when he, he actually finished a G1 Climax, I think on 12 points, beating... Tetsuya Naito in the final round of matches which cost Naito a place in the final and I thought okay so they're saying he's like the best of the rest of the pack but then after that for the last few years he's been stuck in like the 10 point quagmire of G1 Climax and also the other quagmire that is the IWGP tag team title scene alongside Taichi. But if there's ever a significant sign that this is something different and Zack Sabre might be about to graduate to a new level, it's weirdly enough in the fact that for the first time in this skinny lad's life, he has some slight love handles on. He
0: he looks a bit more filled out. He definitely looks a bit more filled out, which is a a good thing. It's certainly nowhere near the level that Will Ospreay, his opponent, has filled out. And we get to see a different side of Will. As a heavyweight in this match, which which I quite enjoy. He he's very much the big guy, like the dominating guy, like like the diesel to a Shawn Michaels kind of thing.
1: Yeah, but the size differential's not that significant in comparison. No, no. I get where you're coming from. I think his only high flying move in the whole match, I might be misremembering it, is he does well no well, his only successful one is a pescado. I remember making a note of that when he does that. That Kelly describes it very well, Kevin Kelly in commentary. He says most other for most other people it's a dive. For Osprey,
0: it's a strike.
1: Usually when people do diving moves to the outside, they'll spread themselves as far and wide as possible in a way to give them the most chance of hitting something on the way down.
0: Like a shotgun sh- like pellet.
1: Yeah, but as Kelly points out, he knows exactly where he's going to go, so he's going to measure it with perfect accuracy and maximize the amount of impact that he'll make on on Osprey. The only other time he goes to the top in the match that I can recall are two moments that are his undoing, really. One he does a springboard and ends up jamming his knee. Yep. And that becomes the key attack point for Osprey then. And then at another point in the match when he, Zack Sabre Jr. And leaves him lying on the outside, when Zack Sabre comes back into the ring, Osprey goes for a drop kick to him as he's crawling into the ring, and the Sabre dodges it and grabs his leg and puts him into a submission hold again, and he's yeah. leaning back to the outside using the gravity. That's like the leg
0: lock for the ropes, isn't it?
1: And I think one thing that Osprey sells really well throughout this whole match is his fear of engaging Sabre on the mats. First of all, because he just knows he's overwhelmed. As I was alluding to earlier, there's a moment early on in the match where the Sabre's got him on the mats, sort of smothering him on top. And Osprey just yells out, Boys, help! <laughs> From outside <laughs> to the outside of the ring. Like, looking for his corner men to, like, a UFC... Match to give him pointers on how to escape the hold that he's in.
0: There was a recent clip of Khabib doing it for one of his, like, uh, stable in a fight, and he's hoping for that sort of unique, in his mind, you need that level of assistance. You need someone with a Khabib level wrestling mind to get out of the submission game that uh, Sabre Jr. is famous for, which he's experienced before, and which he's currently going, trying to. Deal with as it overwhelms him in the ring.
1: It's also significant, I think, that the previous round for Zack Saber Junior. was against the Great Okan, his United Empire stablemate. And Okan has a legitimate amateur wrestling background to the point that you know maybe they're exaggerating it for effect. Because I watched all of the matches Osprey had in the build up to reaching this point in the tournament. According to Kelly, if the great Okan had decided to continue to pursue it, he would have been Olympic quality. He would have been able to wrestle at the Olympics if he'd wanted to. But he wanted to go into New Japan and train there. Yeah. Go straight into a pro wrestling career. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But one of the things that Zack Sabre's really good at putting across, and I think they're making more of it, is that he's so dangerous at all times that he can catch anyone at any moment. Because whilst he had dominating wins in the first and second round over uh, one of the young lions, Oyoa, I think his name is, and then his Suzuki Goon stablemate Doki, when he fights Okan, he's actually they they have a long map based exchange for the most part, but he's being dominated by Okan for the last few minutes of the match, and then just suddenly. Osprey captures him in an armbar, standing armbar, and Okan just sort of instinctively has to tap because he has no way of getting out of it. And, like, Sabre looks much worse for the wear at the end of that match than Okan does. Okan's in shock. Yeah. They help pay off towards the finish of this match as well. Rewatching the first match as... Well, not the first match, but rewatching last year's match as well, you wonder how much of it's, like, what what are they referencing back? I mean to the literally to the point that in this match Zack Sabre at one point as Osprey's on the outside says, I remember last year.
0: <laughs> I'm not stupid. I like that. I like I, I like just the hands on the hips as well because it's uh it's very early on. It's uh, Osprey doing the typical like heel powder uh sort of thing when overwhelmed by the baby face.
1: So you, you consider Zack the baby face of this match, yes?
0: against will osprey especially uh commonwealth kingpin will osprey yeah yeah it's the lesser of two evils in, in terms of like how they carry themselves uh in new japan i don't call, he's not like bailey level baby face but he is baby, he is face i think in this like outing,
1: default the two sweetest words in the english language
0: <laughs> default default
1: i will for the most part agree with you there. It seems like suzuki Goon in general are softening up for some reason or becoming more likeable. They did a show recently, like their own show, where Doki fought Taichi in the final. And Taichi won, but it was meant to be a really good match. Yeah, and He basically said to Doki, why, you know, you shouldn't be so down on yourself. You shouldn't have such little confidence in yourself. You're amazing. You know, like a weird like of all people Tai Chi to be giving someone else a motivational speech. <laughs> and you've got Desperado as well being really the ace of the junior division over the last few years and not you know I mean, Sabi used to come out with Takamichinoku, they would all come out with someone from Suzuki Goon and now they all pretty yeah. much come out alone and fight on their own two feet for themselves. So I do wonder if that's a path that we're going down with suzuki Goon. Obviously Minoru Suzuki himself is still a shit of the highest order, but but he's a lovable... He is
0: still murder-grandpa, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he's
1: lovable murder-grandpa. <laughs> yeah.
0: And Lance Archer, um, uh, well, he just brings people with him, but not by choice, usually. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't know if Archer really counts because he is an AEW signed talent for now, anyway. Maybe he will move Yeah, but the he, I
0: think in canon terms, I think he still resides oh, yeah. in Suzuki well, Gun. He,
1: he teamed with Suzuki on AEW, so he says. You know, uh, to make up
0: for the infamous Suzuki incident, yes.
1: Mm. The uh, kazanina Ray gate. Yes. You call it. <laughs> I felt like the previous year's match was. Better, slightly, or more entertaining. Because, from a British perspective, as we were describing it at the time, we said this one essentially sounds... It looks like the most physically impressive fight outside of Weatherspoons we've ever seen. (laughs) There's just constant jawing with each other. There's a lot less of that in this match. I wonder if it's more because they now... No, maybe we almost respect each other too much, that they can't go full-on to that as much anymore. I don't
0: I know don't if it's know. more that Osprey, when he's on the offense, is obviously selling confidence. That's, what, that's where his mm. drawing comes from. But as we alluded to earlier, the abject fear he has whenever, yeah. like, uh, Zach grabs a hold or... Uh, I think there's one point where Zach invites him into the middle and he's like, not a chance am I doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do love when they get into the slap exchange <laughs> that it starts off like, like little kicking, almost like kids, like brothers on a sofa, just one kicking yeah. each other slightly, and then he just builds up and builds up and builds up. And then at one point, Osprey just says, oh, fucking get up then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, Osprey's not the worst at like, you know, uh, giving like grief. I, I quite like it. Maybe because it, I am British myself like i identify with it, with it a bit more i've seen it a bit more you know what i mean
1: what's curious with zach is that he doesn't have that many trademark it's like when everyone always says like oh rick flair wrestles the same match over and over again or along those lines i don't think that's fair really insofar as pretty much every wrestler has their moves that they like to use yeah yeah Bret Hart famously had his five moves it's just where you place them how you time them how it makes sense within the body of the match and if you adapt to the match itself it's like how Tanahashi when he targets Okada's arms in one of the matches instead of doing dragon screw leg whips he's doing dragon screw arm whips yeah I think Sabre's the best at that in that he's constantly adapting to the situation and moving around and shifting himself, shifting his body weight shifting his position to affect it. He's not just applying his submission hold and lying there. he's constantly moving around and changing what the hold is until he finds the right one to get the submission. In this match he's going for the knee in the next show in the next match he'll go for the arm and the neck I think against O'Kahn he goes for the arm. So he knows how to work various different body parts. He's not just like, Ric Flair really only knew how to work the knee. He could work the knee amazingly, but that was what he went with. Sabre shifts around and will have multiple finishers that he can use. Submission holds yeah. anyway.
0: And even within the match, he changes it up. He initially goes after um, Ospreay's arm. I mean, the first few like um, holds that Osprey is really like afraid of are arm-based holds.
1: Well, again, that's related back to last year where it was uh, Osprey went in with a taped-up shoulder, and that was yeah that that which what which was what made him almost the default babyface of that match because he went in with a visible handicap.
0: Yeah, and there's like a, a moment where uh, Zach, you can actually see like the the cold, dead shark-like eyes of him, sort of zero in on a different limb. He's like, "That's available." I'm going to make that like, I'm going to snap that into two pieces and just goes straight after it. I I like how um, it's just like a known thing that if you jar a leg or an arm or like accidentally hit it against a ring post or whatever, the whole crowd, when it's when that person's against Axe but junior is like that guy's in fucking trouble.
1: Yeah. Again, comparing it to last year, we were saying one of the stories of last year as well was just how well they knew each other. That It was going at such a furious pace and they were countering everything. But without it feeling choreographed, it really did feel like they were moving at just a speed chess level. That like, I knew you were going to do that. 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 Yeah. And weirdly with this one, I feel like it goes at a slower pace for the most part, maybe because Osprey dominates it more and Osprey's whole thing now is about slowing things down ironically for a guy that used to became famous for going so quick but then there are moments in the match where it does go into a burst of speed and it does pick up that pace and they do go into the, the i can't just account. but i wonder if it's almost like they're doing it but like on a subconscious level well if i were to do that he'd do this and do that and do this and do that so i won't do it anything at this to start off with <laughs> so yeah. it's it's kind of like one of my favorite Armor gags when Bender goes into Robot House and he sees two of them, uh, <laughs> two of the nerd robots, uh, just stood over, just sitting over a chest table, but they haven't moved any of the pieces yet. And one of them says, mate in 103 moves. Oh, poo, you win again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like... Uh, oh, that's
0: Fatbot who says that, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, or like how... Yeah. Uh, the weird one to compare it to I suppose but the second Sherlock Holmes film with Robert Downey Jr where he's standing opposite Moriarty played by Jared Harris and he's lighting his cigarette and it's like they both know they're gonna fight and they're subconsciously saying this is what I would do I would do this I would do that I would do this I would do that in the fight And then Jared Harris takes over the voiceover and says, oh, yeah, but you would try to do that, but then I would do this, and I would do that, I would do this, I would do that. So they're, like, telepathically telling each other how the fight's going to go, and they both understand it on that level. So Danny goes, yeah, you're right. So he just grabs him and then pulls them both over. So... (laughs) So that's almost what I get with this is the fact that there are moments where they don't do that exchange of moves as much as they did last time because it's almost like it's a redundant exercise. But I do still like that they adapt and they move. And when they're doing like the cradle sequences, it's not that post Guerrero, Malenko, let's give the referee a cardio workout and he's just going one, two, one, two. They're just trying to escape it immediately. Sometimes they'll get a count. Sometimes they won't. It's just mm. down to what they do. And they have to surprise their opponent with it as well. Like with Osprey at one point where he's got him in a backbreaker and he like shifts it around and then does it the other way around on him. Do you get where I'm coming from at that point? I do,
0: yeah. Like it, it, there's not a contrived level to it that you do see in like other places where it's one, two, all counter. One, two, all counter. And it's like beat to F, like beat, beat, beat. This it's like... I'm desperately trying to get away from you.
1: They're doing all the stuff that you would see in the indie standoff moment, but they're not doing the standoff. They're continuing because they're both just trying yeah. to win. Yeah, And they know what it takes. And as we were saying, like, at one point, Osprey's like, he's looking for a stoppage. And he's trying desperately to get a stoppage from whilst uh, Saber's down on the map because he doesn't want to go in and engage him. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he might be tricking me. So I'm going to either have him be a stoppage so he'll have to stop playing Possum him to show that he's all right. So, again, there's like that more of a, not respect, but more of a realisation of the other ones. Yeah. And then when we get to the finish, it is fantastic that Zack has Osprey's leg captured with his other leg, and he's searching for that submission hold, and Osprey is trying to fight him off desperately until Zack's still with Osprey's leg tied up, gets behind him and turns it into a sleep hole. Yeah. And then you get the contentious finish, which is, is Osprey tapping? Is Osprey trying to fight it off? Because it looks like a tapping motion.
0: Yeah. But it's with a flat palm of the hand, so I think they're trying to make it look like he's kind of got a leg to stand on in his mind, but nah. The way the way I interpret it is he did genuinely tap
1: and it's like, well, you know, that's what sometimes they do. I mean, have you ever watched the Chael Sonnen-Anderson Silva fight, the first one?
0: No, no.
1: Well, you know, famously, Anderson Silva's looked indestructible against everyone. But suddenly, for five rounds, Chael Sonnen beats the shit out of him. Yeah. Um, like, minute four of this fifth round, he's on top of him. And suddenly... Anderson Silva captures him in a triangle choke and he taps twice on his leg. Yeah. And the ref stops the fight. But then Chael tries to claim that he didn't tap, that he was trying to break the hold. But you watch it and he clearly was tapping. It's just he immediately regretted it. Yeah. He immediately regretted it. And so he probably lied to himself. Well, he never denied that he tapped. He just pointed out that like, you know, famously for the next year and a half one of the best pro wrestling rivalries. This wasn't in a pro wrestling <laughs> environment. I mean, it's just amazing. He literally was quoting superstar Billy Graham lines, at least on one occasion <laughs> post fight. Have you watched those? Any of that? Stuff? I haven't. No, no. You don't watch any Chael Sonnen stuff? No. Oh, well, after this, you're going to have to go and you choose some Chael Sonnen. And you'll just, you'll have the time of your life.
0: <laughs> I know I know, he's got form, like, promo-wise.
1: He will probably be better in the Dan Lambert role than Dan Lambert in AEW, in all honesty. Yeah. But we'll we'll leave that for another time. But I think that was an inspiration for this finish. And it fits in perfectly as well with Will Ospreay being a mouthy gobshite. So he gets away with not getting hurt further so he can tap out, but he can claim some sort of moral victory. Like, the next show he refuses to have the match that he's supposed to be having he just yells that Zack sabre has to come out there and continue the match he didn't tap out <laughs> hiromu takahashi attacks him so he has to have the match but it's a wonderful way of giving Zack a victory because you know osprey's leg was in a bad way
0: it was in a ve- it was a very bent angle it was that definitely
1: and they also had set this up earlier in the tournament by having a st- a match with uh, Sonada, I can't remember if it was Sonada that won or lost, where they said the ref should have called the bell earlier than he did. And so the, the refs are gun-shy at this... Well, the opposite of gun-shy, I suppose. They're trigger-happy. Yeah. Now, trying to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Which is great. I mean, I love it when New Japan do those sort of things. Like, there was one time where... Zack Sabre Jr. beats Tomohiro Ishii, essentially by a technical submission, because he was, like, just completely covering ishii and it was impossible for ishii to submit without by saying he submitted yeah. or tapping and that played him beautifully later on in the night where hiroshi tanahashi had tetsuya naito in the texas cloverleaf in the g1 climax essentially semi-final that we covered for this and he was in for so long that you bought the maybe the ref would call for the bell if naito didn't start doing something similar to what he'd done with ishii earlier on i love those sort of touches the little things. Yeah. So this was a lot of fun. Like I said, I don't think it's quite as good as the one last year because the last year was just so balls-to-the-wall entertaining. Maybe this was almost better on a technical level, weirdly, but yeah. like just on an emotive front. I still really like the match. I would probably go somewhere around four and a quarter to maybe four and a half, but more likely four and a quarter stars for me, but it's not the five-star match in my eyes anyway. How about you? Fair.
0: No, I'm inclined to agree. like very much how it it was a Will Ospreay putting over Sabre Jr. In, in During the match and with the result, but protecting his character with the result as well. I think it's one of those where obviously the loss doesn't harm him because he can do that gobshotty thing, as you were alluding to. But the the facial expressions and like the sheer panic his body language exudes when Zach applied any submission just shows that Zach is like dangerous now and it's it's been like rubber stamped because Osprey's higher up than he was last year him still feeling that way and acting like that to Zach makes Zach higher by proxy so it's uh it's good and I, I, I think as a result we're gonna I, th- I think that this is the time they're gonna light the touch paper a bit on Zach I guess New Japan's in that experimental phase at the minute where they've had a weird couple of years booking wise so yeah Why not go back to this particular well and see where you go, I guess?
1: We'll have to see. Someone winning the New Japan Cup is not a sign of a future in the main event scene because the New Japan Cup was essentially the Hiroki Goto Cup for several years and we know where that ended him. (laughs) Well, yeah. He could very easily be back in the tag team title scene with Taichi very, very soon. We don't know. Yeah. It will be curious to see how he's presented in this match if it's like a lot closer or even if he maybe gets the shock win. Maybe he does, and, and Okada has to challenge him for it at Dominion, perhaps. Or do we go, you know, and then how is Zach booked in the G1? Could he reach the final? I was really hoping they were going to pull the trigger and have him reach the final last year as a result of him being the one person that Tetsuya Naito wrestled on day one, and he won, Yeah, and then Naito was too banged up to wrestle on. I, I suspect maybe Naito was supposed to be in the final of that tournament since they instead just replayed Ibushi Okada again
0: and with its own problems as well.
1: Yeah. I did want to, but then he just sort of drifted back into the into the rest. I mean he lost to Tangaloa, for God's sake. So, wow. <laughs> but I mean also I would not be surprised if this year we saw even if the other person doesn't enter the G1 climax I think everyone would love to see a Zack Sabre Jr Brian Danielson match sometime this year. Oh, yes. I mean my dream my dream is that when AEW do a show in the UK that they bring in Zack Sabre Jr and they have Danielson Sabre Jr on an AEW show.
0: I think that would be absolutely fantastic, especially in front of a British crowd. It's yeah, all lined up there perfectly
1: with William Regal ringside as well.
0: Or on commentary, maybe, I don't know. I Because he doesn't do ringside at the minute. It's it's more, um, he, he commentates.
1: He might want to be there on an eye level with with Zack Sabre Jr. as well. Yeah. That's a thought. We will probably see Regal interact with Zack Sabre Jr. at some point. Although maybe he did during the Cruiserweight Classic, I can't remember. Mm. Uh, but anyway. Simon, what are we doing next week? Because this is, as we said before, only the first half of a double bill. It's another five-star match coming up. What are we talking about?
0: Yeah, we've gone from the quarters to the semi-final where Zack Sabre Jr. takes on Shingo Takagi. Five-star mainstay.
1: But if people want to get in touch with you, Simon, and to ask you if there's anything they would like to recommend to you or just find out, chat some shit, maybe about give some recommendations for what are the best weatherspoons to see collisions that at least sound like Osprey versus Zack Sabre Jr., if not look like them.
0: Uh, people can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm um, so known as Simon Cross free free for the clear taps that Osprey did against Zack Saber Junior's leg.
1: My name is Lorcan Mullin. That's L O R C A N M U L L A for automatic replay, which maybe was what Osprey wanted. N for no change to the decision. <laughs> that's my twitter handle instagram facebook letterbox if you put it on gmail.com at the end of it that's my email address get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com Pod is also our twitter and facebook handles if you fancy helping us pay for the subscription services that allow us to watch these matches and get our opinions over to you then by all means go to our patreon.com slash lmtyspod but there's nothing left to say at this point except that my name's Lorcan Mullen
0: and my name's Simon Cross
1: thank you for letting us tell you something Have a five-star time. Until the next time.